All right. Kids can go downstairs. I'm just going to warn you this morning. You're going to want your Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, you have one in front of you, whether it's the Niv or the, the Nolt, <laughs> New Living Translation. It doesn't really matter, but you're going to need a Bible this morning. So uh, it's pretty important, and I thought I'd let you know so we can get going on that one. So we are in Revelation chapter 2. And we are going to look at the church of Thyatira. Thank you, Beth. I'm trying to find the last book of the Bible. My Bible, and I'm the farthest I've turned to is Hebrews, and I'm leafing through all the way up through Hebrews. That's not going to get me anywhere. You ever do that before? <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. So we're in the message to the church of Thyatira, and it is similar to the church in Pergamum, okay? So the, the main sin that they're dealing with is sexual immorality, again, in this passage as well. And so we are going to be talking about that today. I had this gloom and doom sermon all prepped, ready to go. And I talked to my wife at lunch, and she says, you're not going to talk about sexual immorality again as the, the main sin, are you? Said, well, the passage calls for it. It's like, whenever you have a, a sin, that's the one you always go to. And I'm like, well, in my life, I'm like, that's the one I struggle with the most. So I'm always trying to keep my antennas up on that. And this is another passage. So I'm like, well, what are some of the tools that I've learned that has allowed me to win in this situation? And so that is what I'm going to bring to you today. I'm going to bring a tool that opened my eyes to the awesome power of God and the power of sin over life when we don't confess it, when we, don't, um, when we allow it to rule instead of God. And so it, it, sin can be very powerful when we give it control and when we take control back and give it to the Lord um, Watch out, God's going to do some amazing things. And so we're going to do that this morning. And I'm going to, I'm going to need some crowd participation. And so that's why you're going to need your Bibles this morning. So be thinking about that. And i taking a rest this morning. You know, it was about a month ago. It was in January. I had this sermon all prepped out. I had this illustration where I was going through. And I was going to have crowd participation, and I totally just chickened out. I'm not checking out today, so just get ready. All right, I looked out there, and I just had sympathy on you. They're not ready for this. I am prepping you now, so be ready. All right, so all throughout Paul's writings, we see a struggle with our human and sinful nature, and our holiness nature toward God, right? We see those two waging war at one another, and I think it's really summed up really well in Romans chapter 7. Paul does a good job des describing the struggle. He some says something to this effect, which is, it's very confusing if you read that passage, but if you slow it down and break it down, you're like, he's talking about me there. And so this is kind of the struggle that, that goes with. It says, I do that which 
I know is wrong. Knowing is wrong. I feel bad about it, but I do it anyway. What a wretched man I am. Is there any help? Can anybody save me from this? Well, that is where he leaves Romans chapter 7. He leaves it there and he just sets there and he lets you rest in that moment. And then he comes to Romans chapter 8 and he gives the answer to the wretched man, which is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is always the answer when it comes to our wretchedness and our brokenness. He's the one that's going to make us whole. And as we read through the Old Testament as well, what comes, we come to the realization that man cannot do it on his own. And as I was reading my, through Leviticus, that fun, exciting book of Leviticus sometimes, goes through the book of the law, we also studied in Hebrews um, at CBS that, yes, they had the animal payment, but it was more like a deferred payment. It, was, it just identified that they were sinners. And so no wonder they wanted to abandon the practice of um, giving different things to um, the temple, taking their sacrifices, because it just reminded them that I'm broken, I'm never going to be good enough. And how would you like to live life like that? Well, I, I think when we get trapped in our sins like we do, that's exactly where we rest. We get trapped in that sin and we're, and we're like, I'm never going to be good enough. And that is a good realization to have when you know that there's a Savior, amen? But when you don't know there's a Savior, you're stuck. You're either got to get a lot better or you just allow it to get worse. And you can try and try and try to get better on your own, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work and you're stuck in that sin of your life, okay? So animal sacrifices, they just rem they're just a reminder that we're sinful, broken people. And finally, Jesus steps in, and we find that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ooh, that sounds fancy. Shane, where'd you get that? That's actually Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation? That means there's no one there to accuse us of our sin because we have Christ that comes and covers our sin with his blood and takes that away. Praise God for that. So Jesus pays the price for our sins by the shedding of his blood, and we are no longer a slave to sin and the fear of hell. We are now called children of God. The church in Thyatira knows this struggle well, and I think as does White Rose Fellowship Church. There's praise, and I would say we need to praise God for that struggle because if we are struggling in that, that means there's conviction there. And that means the Spirit is working in your life to not leave you in that state. Praise God for the struggle. Because if you weren't struggling, you ain't going to heaven. That's for sure. You are arrogant enough to think that you can handle it by yourself, and that is a very, very dangerous place to be. Okay? And that means he is convicting us to change our human nature into godly nature. Praise God that he's here for us on that. So if you want to open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 2, we're going to read the first two verses and look at 
a pattern that we have laid out through all seven churches. What's that pattern? First, we see a description of Jesus. Then next, we see what the church does well, what they do good in a sense. And then we see what they do bad, or what they're struggling in, their whole churches. And then we see a path to redemption. Okay, if you do this, you can walk out of this. Hold firm to this. If you do this, then you will win this, this. Okay? And then the last is the goal or the finish line. And that usually starts with Christ and it ends with Christ almost in all these passages because our goal is life with Jesus, right? And with God. Okay, so in verse 18, it reads like this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Wow, that is a pretty nice statement there, isn't it? So as we run into that that pattern, we see the description of Jesus, and we see that his eyes are like what? Yeah, flames of fire. Good. I already got some crowd participation, right? And his feet are like what? Burnished bronze. Okay, so eyes are like flames of fire. I would say this is a refiner's fire, that he's coming to refine his church. We see this throughout the other churches, and I wouldn't say it was any different in the church of Thyatira. He's coming to refine. He's coming to look for his remnant, and he is calling them back to him. The next, they're like polished, his feet are like polished bronze. Now, I saw lots of things about polished bronze, and I did not see this. So this is a Shainism, but I think it holds up to my other studying in the Bible. Okay, So this is where I get it from. I didn't look a ton of places, but I looked in three main sources, and these three did not mention this. So I will, I'll say that this comes from my personality, maybe. This makes me think of the bronze sea that they put out, put the sacrifices on, right? So the bronze sea would be a large, large basin that they'd put a fire under that the sacrifices were, were put on, and um, on top of it, it was all bronze. The feet were bronze and everything. They had to make sure it was holy and set apart for the Lord. And that's where they put the sacrifices. So on Passover, they, this is where they would lay the lambs on, right? Well, we know that Jesus was the lamb that was slain, but we also know, since he fulfilled the law, that he was the bronze altar as well. And so not only was he the sacrifice, but he was the word or the rules in which to live by, and he fulfilled those there before becoming the law and the sacrifice all in the same time, being perfect. And I think it alludes to that, that he has a foundation that is glorious, that's majestic, because that's what they used to show off the majesty of God back in the day was bronze. That's what I did find a lot of. So we know he was the fulfillment of law, and therefore he is the altar by which we lay our sins at his feet. Why do you think he had to go to the cross? 
Why did you think we had to make a payment for our sins in the first place? Is because we didn't have a sacrifice good enough, right? We can never be good enough. If I was just a good enough person, I'd get to heaven. No, you won't. And that hurts my feelings, Pastor. Well, I'm glad I heard him now before you get to the Lord in front of the heaven pearly gates. And it's like, I was a good person, Jesus. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. You did that goodness out of your own, for your own pleasures and for your own goodness and not for me. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary statement. It's a matter of heart, right? Where's your heart set? Okay, so then we see the good. And we see a lot of good in this passage. It's really exciting. We see that the, he, we see a description of some, some of the good traits in the church. In verse 19, it says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And in those four areas, I see constant improvement. That is quite some an accommodation, isn't it? In all these areas. This is a good list. These are all attributes that reflect Christ's love in their lives. They are becoming more and more like Jesus, aren't they? So that's interesting as well. Let's continue on. This is where it, it turns to the bad. Read in verse 20 through 23. But I have this complaint against you. You are perm- you're permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I give her time to repent, but she did not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead, and all the ch- churches who know that I am that I am the one who searches out through searches out through the thoughts and the intentions of every person, and I will give each of you whatever you deserve. Wow. What did Jesus say about sexual immorality? He said if you even think thoughts of sexuality, sexual immorality about a woman that you've committed um, sin in your heart, right? And it can be likewise with girls thinking about guys that way. So we have the bad, and it is very bad. It comes in the form of a prophetess. She claims to be a prophet from God. Now, as Baruch said, as if just because somebody claims to be a prophet doesn't make them a prophet, but she must have been, it must have fit a little bit, right? It must have sounded good. It must have looked appealing. And so therefore, they followed along. This gal was leading them away. She was pulling them away from holiness, how she was doing it was through sexual immorality. We don't necessarily know how, but we can all guess. Christ called her to repentance. Christ wishes that none should perish. Nobody. 
He doesn't want anybody to perish. And I think that's very compassionate in this passage. He is calling her to repentance, yet she doesn't. And so there's a time where enough is enough and judgment comes. The Lord's hand is against her and to everyone who fell into her snare. Because I know, I know your thoughts. I know where you stand. Oh dear. <laughs> right? How many, how many of us in the church, we can put on a lovely face and come on Sunday mornings. We can serve on Saturday afternoons. We can carry in and, and do fine things for, the, for service for the Lord, but our hearts are far away from Him. They're concentrated on ourselves. That's dangerous. It's very dangerous because we trick ourselves into thinking that we are holy. Right? Okay, so let me think. Let's take this the other way. What if we just assumed that we're not holy? What if we woke up in the morning and we assumed we have to ask forgiveness? What if we had to assume that there's sin, angst between God and myself? We started every morning by washing clean. Whoa. That's a different way to look at life, isn't it? Or do we wake up and say, oh, I'm good with the Lord, right? We don't even examine ourselves. Dangerous, dangerous place to be. We're going to come back to the bad. That's what we're going to focus on. But I also want to work on the solution at the same time as we get there. So we're going to read the rest of the passage. So Revelation 24 through 29 says, But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed the false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them, um, depths of Satan, actually. I, would, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. And they will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Well, what is the morning star? What do we know the morning star to be? Well, if you look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, the morning star is Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's another one of those that sometimes you have to read ahead to remember what's behind in Revelation. This is one of those cases. You got to look for the meaning. And he gives it, reveals that at the end who he is. He's the morning star. So, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Well, what do we have here? We have a path to redemption, don't we? And is he calling just one or two to the path of redemption? No, he's calling the whole church to the path of redemption. If you're staying, holding strong, if you are holding the line, that is all I'm asking of you. Could you imagine the erosion that this prophetess is having in their church? Hold the line. Don't give up. I remember leaving a church about 10 years ago or so, and 
I asked, why are you staying? They knew. I knew they knew what was wrong. And this is the passage they went to. We've got to hold the line. Somebody's got to know the truth. Somebody's got to know what's right. And I feel like that's what the Lord's called me to do. And my jaw dropped. I'm like, you're obviously a stronger Christian than I am. Because <laughs> I could not do that. I was a young man then. I can do it a little bit better now, but wow. I was impressed. Impressed. The reward I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Do you see how much stronger God's way is than the world's way? You ever smashed a clay pot before? It's kind of fun, I'm actually going to say. It's, it, it's like smash dishes. You ever broke a dishes, dish on purpose accidentally? It is actually, I don't know to you, but to me it's a little satisfying. Um, I like the crunch of the, the sound and the, the shattering of the shards. I don't like to clean up afterwards, so you got to do it in a way that you don't have to do that. But it's, there's some satisfaction there. And it's another thing that I really like to smash, by the way. Uh, this is, I don't do this anymore because I found there's mercury in them. Those four-foot light bulbs, fluorescence. Now, I've heard... Not that I've ever done this before, but I've heard if you're a kid about, oh, sixth, seventh grade, and you throw those in a, a tunnel underneath the road, those big culverts, big ones, that they sound like a shotgun, and uh, the person's house that you're staying at, the adults will come out of the house to see what you're shooting. I've heard. And then they'll call you a liar because they're like, there's no way a light bulb did that sound. It's like, oh yeah, I got one more. Let's do it again. You want to hear? Well, kind of, but after this one, there's no more. That was the last one, so it worked out well. Um, and it did sound, they're like, yep, that's what I heard. Um, but iron and clay, they don't mix, do they? And when clay's hardened, it's set in its ways, right? Think of a ceramic. Ceramic can stand up to heat, so can iron. Actually, ceramic is better under heat than iron is. It can go up to high, much higher temperatures. It can withstand a lot more pressure. It's not bad when it comes to friction and rubbing against one another. They've always tried to get ceramics in motors because it dissipates heat a lot faster than uh, iron, but they don't mix very well. They don't mix very well, so they can't put them together. And so... When iron meets ceramic, it shatters the ceramic, doesn't it? And praise God that his law, his rules, his authority can shatter my, what I try to make laws in my life. And he resets those with compassion. So the reward, I give authority over the nation's who will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash like clay pots. And they have the same authority I received from the Father, and I will also give them the morning star. So, Shane, that's nice. 
gave us a nice little passage of Scripture there. But I need some application. I'm struggling in this area of sexual immorality. And I need a way out. I need to get out of this. I was given this so five, six years ago. Changed my thinking on sexual immorality. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. i got to share it. It's from Doug Rumbolt from down in church down in Tremont. I mentioned him last week. And this week... We are going to show you the application, I think, if I can get this out of here. All right, I need my Vanna to come up, too. You want to come up? She's like, no, I don't. But she's going to come anyways because she loves me. All right. Yeah, they're right behind the... Okay, so... In your bulletin, you should have a sheet that looks like this with four columns, and it has how am I living on the right-hand side, who am I, what has he done in and through me, thinking of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, or possibly God the Father, and the last one is who is God. Okay, so when we look at sexual immorality, our first inclination, you can write that right here if you would like, sexual immorality or lust in this case. Yeah, no problem. Just going to put down lust. You can put sexual immorality or lust. They're pretty much the same thing, right? And so how am I living? And you can do this with any sin, any sin. So if I'm struggling with um, an addiction other than a sexual addiction, maybe it's um, alcoholism, maybe I'm having a hard time quitting smoking and things like this, you can walk this same process through that. Um, maybe you, shopping. Ooh, see, she's giving me all the extra ones. Maybe you have a shopping addiction. Maybe Amazon is your best friend, right? Um, there's all different things you can do with this. So any sin that you struggle with, maybe it's your pride. This, pride is actually a very good one to walk through, and you're going to see a lot of the same verses are going to work through the same process as lust. So if we look through our lives through the lens of sexual immorality or lust, what's that say about me? What's that say about you? What, what are some of the things? So here's a, good, here's a good clue. Here's a good example. I'm lacking. I don't have enough. You can write that one down. Yeah, I'm lacking. I don't, maybe I feel like I need more. And God is not providing for my needs. And so I'm lacking. What's another thing? What's another one common with any sin? Guilt. Oh my. I can't I can't let anybody know. Guilt. Yeah. Yeah, you can write them all down. Till you run out of room and then you'd be like, you can just write them down on your sheet now. Yeah, guilt. That's a great one. Right? I am not enough. Oh, what if what if so and so finds out? What if what if they what if the church finds out? What if what if the elders find out? 
In my situation, what if my husband, what if my wife finds out? What are some of the other things? Shame, right? I know it's wrong, but I do it anyway. Right? Or I'll, I'll, I won't do it again. This is the last time. This is the last time. And what happened? So God made me this way. Of course I have to be like this. Or what's another thing we like to do? We lack gratitude. That's a great one too. Um, Ungrateful. So we say, we try to justify our actions. God hasn't given me enough. That goes along with the, the lacking as well. Selfishness, what? Yeah, that's a great one. Rebellion. Rebellion. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. What do you think about that, God? You going to strike me down now? Are you going to strike me down? Just do it. I dare you. We don't say that, but our actions just did, didn't they? That's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, another one is jealousy, right? Well, they have this. I deserve this. And if I want what they have, so therefore I'm just going to take it. Another thing is maybe hopelessness, weak, or beaten. Right? You just put... Yes. Put weak because it's the shortest work, word. And why she's doing this instead of me is because when I spelled out weak, I would put W-E-E-K instead of the right one, right? So as we go through, what does this say? What has God done in and through me? So if we look at God through the lens of our sin, what's this say about God? I'll give you an example for this one. That he's insufficient. Not enough. There you go, top one. I've tried to work through this. I've struggled with the sin several times and I can't get it done. So therefore, I've asked God to take this away. And I know it's in his will. I'm struggling with it. How come he hasn't been there for me? He must be insufficient. He is not strong enough to take care of my sin. Do you see how that mindset gets? It's really easy to get there too, isn't it? In any any situation. Think about if if you have, uh, you're coveting your neighbor's boat. Well, I should have a boat. God, God's given me a lot of things, but he hasn't given me enough to be able to afford that boat. And I needed that boat this weekend when I got upset. And I'm justifying my actions now, right? So what, else, what are the things, does it say that God is or isn't? 
thankful. Yeah, we're not thankful for, what'd you say? Faithful. Ooh, great one. Yes. Yeah. He is not faithful. I did my part, Lord. I prayed. I showed up. Where were you? You didn't enter your side of the bargain, right? That's a great one, Judy. Good job. He, not worthy. Yeah, then God's not big enough, right? He's not worthy. Is he worthy? That's a, that's a good question to ask. How about this one? This one was a good one that came from one of the other pastors in the room that day. He is withholding something. He's holding back something. Because look at all this opportunity I have to feel better, to make myself better. And he's holding back. I could have so much more if he would just give it to me. Right? It's another lie, isn't it? What? I, that was a clue there, by the way. It was a lie, isn't it? Yeah! God's a liar. He doesn't stand by his truth. He doesn't stand by his truth. Why would he do that? Why would he hold this back from me? Whoa, we've gone down a far way, right? And has God made me successful or am I a failure? I didn't fail because I failed. He didn't hold up his bargain. He failed, right? That's a dangerous place to get to too. Okay, so we've walked through. So who is this God now that we see? After we've walked from lust backwards, who is this God that we see? Is he a strong God? No, he's weak, isn't he? He's weak. He's not even, how can I even walk with him? He's a weakling. Does he care about you? Does he care about you? Does God care? Not in this no, he's hands off. He's hands off. He doesn't really, he's aloof. How many people believe that today that aren't in the church? They believe that God started everything, but then he just backed off and let it be. Do we know that to be a false truth? Absolutely. God is very hands-on in my life. The more I encourage him to be in there, the more he encourages me to get closer. Is God, does he love me? No, he's not giving me what I want. I want this. No, he's not a loving God. That's ridiculous. He's up there mean mugging me saying, thou shall not. Another reputation of the Lord in the world today, right? It's because they're looking at it from their sin side. What do we know about the three parts of God? We have the Holy Spirit. Is he our counselor? Has he given us any counsel? No, he's not our counselor. He's, he's quiet. Which he can be quiet, but quiet in a bad way. <laughs> 
non-convicting quiet, maybe. Is he Jesus Christ? He's our redeemer. Has he redeemed us from anything? No, I can't even get out of this situation. I keep falling into the trap of sin over and over and over. He's not my redeemer. There's no redemption there. And he's not my father. Because I can't hold to his standards, so therefore I'm not allowing him to hold to his standards either. Because then I'd be in deep water, right? And so we walk through this process of this and can you make well it's supposed to be draw a line again and can you write the yeah I think I got it over there for you so when we look through the process and we look at it from our sin to who God is we can get trapped in that sin very quickly, can we not? We can get very discouraged very fast, and what are we going to do? How are we going to live? Well, at White Rose Fellowship Church, some of the things that we emphasize and that are more important than anything to us is God's Word, right? Right. And so if we want to know how we're supposed to live, we need to get into his word, right? So what does God's word say about who is who is God? John 1 1. What's it say there? The word is God. So God is truth. Also from that, right? So we can we can deduct that as well. John's a really good place to go to for the scriptures of God. God is truth. God is. He's, he's holy. Yes. He is grace. Yes. Mercy and love. So um, when it comes to truth, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, in the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, right? Does he say that at the beginning of John? It's closer to the end, doesn't it? 14, there's only 21 chapters, so that's two-thirds of the way through. He's earned the right to be heard to be able to say something like that. He is grace. Savior, Yes. He's a God of justice, right? And so he doesn't answer to us, does he? He is king. He is a good word for that is he's sovereign, right? So if you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 24, it says, When we heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of the heavens and earth, the sea, and everything in it as well as Colossians 1.16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. 
such as the thrones, the kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. Therefore, he is the judge, isn't he? He, yes. He's strong, isn't he? Philippians 4.13, For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Notice how I'm trying to give references after these two. What do we know about John 3.16? Did he love the world? How much did he love the world? He gave his best, didn't he? His best. His heir to the throne. He gave his best so that we might have eternal life. That's looking at the world through God's lens, isn't it? And that's starting to straighten this out now, isn't it? Do you see how it's, it's bringing things into perspective? Instead of looking at through us, we're looking through him. So what's it say in Malachi 3.6? It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. Can you rest in that? If God is truth, do you want your truth to change? No, I do not. That is why your descendants of you are you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. <laughs> Whoa. Because he clings to his promises. He allows us to do some amazing things. God is present. Look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 20. It says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. When I'm in the midst of my sin, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm there to sustain you. I'm there to lift you up out of the mire after we... If you want to get right with me, what a hope we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, so what has he done? In and through me. What what are some of the things that this is where we're looking for redemption, right? We're looking for Christ to redeem us. What are some of the negative things that we said about God? We said he wasn't sufficient enough. Do we know that God is sufficient? How do we know? How do we know? Here's a good place. Hebrews 9, 26. If that had been necessary, Christ would have died again and again ever since the beginning of the world. But now... Once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And as well, in Romans 5, 9 through 11, and since we have been made right in Christ's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation, his judgment, his penalty for the sin. That's what condemnation means. For since our Friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. 
we will certainly be saved through the life of Jesus Christ. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. He is sufficient. Christ's sacrifice was enough. So we've, we've laid down that God is truth, right? Does he stand in that truth? How do we know? When we look back at the Old Testament, what can we see now in the prophecies? He keeps his promises, doesn't he? Can you write that down? He keeps his promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Another big apologetic thing when it comes to Jesus Christ, did he really exist? Yes, he is real. He is real. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 5 through 7. He was seen by Peter and by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. What a comfort to know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he had several witnesses there. What's one of the biggest things that Christ does in and through us? We walked up to it last week with the front side of grace. And you walk to the surrender point. What do we call that when we surrender our lives to Christ? It's our testimony. It's our salvation testimony, right? So salvation. He forgives. He forgives. Hebrews Hebrews is really good for this, by the way. Does a great job of bridging this. Hebrews 9.22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified by blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And then John 22, or 21 verses 15 through 19, that's the restoration of Peter. Peter, do you love me? We just talked about that on Thursday with the kids. What did we find out about God, who he is? When, what did Judy say? What did you say, Judy, before? He, you said he wasn't faithful, but what do we know? He is faithful. Amen, sister. Right? How do we know? What's that? His peace. Yes, definitely. He separates me from my sin. Therefore, the result is peace. He renews our strength. Right? Where do we find that? In Isaiah 40, 31. That's similar. He transforms our minds. Yes. Um, 
Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to get that in the next section a little bit more too. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what's it talk about? It says to trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Right? So he is our straight path. He is, again, it, it goes back to truth there, really. He is our protection. Amen. Yes, great psalm there. If you're ever struggling with life, Psalms 91 is a great place to go. Okay, so let's move on to here is, who am I? So now that we know who God is, and we know what he's done in and through us, what does it say about us? We're his children, yes. What does he do for his children? He gave his only begotten son, John 3.16, right? I'm a child of God. 1 John 3, verse 1 reads like this. See how, much, see how very much our God loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is who we are. But the people who belong to this world do not recognize that, and we are that we are God's children because they don't know him. Hmm. What does uh, Philippians 4.19 say? Yes, it's close. Uh, I, I know this from a VBS song. Um, I can't think of how it starts right offhand. It says, uh, I'll read it and then I'll sing the part of the song I remember. This is the same, the same God who takes care of me who will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, my God will meet all your needs. And that's how it starts. My God, Whew, I could go. We should have sang that this morning. Boom, just busted right into it. We are loved. John 3.16, uh, 1 John um, 4.19. We love because he first loved us. So we can give love because we receive love from God. Um, no greater love than this. A man laid his life down for a friend, and that's exactly what Christ did for us. That's in John... 1426-ish? That's just a guess. We have zeal to serve. Romans 12, 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So we've talked about God the Son, God the Father. What about the other one? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit, are we not? Galatians 5, 22 and 23, by the Holy, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law 
against these things. Another one, who am I? I am clean. 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as our ransom long before the world began, but now in these days he has revealed for your sake, says the eyewitness Peter. Isn't there comfort in that? Peter kind of like lays that out a little bit. John does too. We are his messenger, right? We have a responsibility. We are ambassadors of Christ. It says that in 1 Corinthians. We've got most of those there. So, when we look at the column that we have here, whether it's pride, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's covetousness, whether it's not honoring our father and mother. When we walk through this process this way, how does it say that I'm living? How am I living? Christ is bigger than lust. Right? He's bigger than lust. First John 2, 1 and 2. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Praise God. You went to Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 before. Do you remember either of those? Look them up. There's, those are two really, really good examples in there. One in verse 1 and 1 and 2. What did we learn? We, ha- we were locked inside for a while. Um, and so I did a video on 2 Timothy 2.22. Do you remember that one? If you struggle with lust, this is one of the best places to hang on to your purity. It says, run from the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. What are those? Those are all attributes of Christ, just like they were commended for in Thyatira. So not the whole church wasn't all corrupt. Some of them were clinging to those things, along with those who call upon the Lord of a pure heart. Right? So purity. That's where we go. We put up that fence of purity. That's on the message if you want to look back at Facebook and see that. I've heard an old, old story about a Savior came from glory. What's the name of that song? Victory, Victory in Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you find one in Romans? What you got?
the kind he will find acceptable, which is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how know, then you will learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The old covenant they had to bring sacrifices every single week. Does Christ ask us to sacrifice? Yes, he does. In the heart, right? Sacrifice your pride. Sacrifice your, maybe it's sexual immorality, your lustful thoughts. Give them to the Lord. Offer them as an offering, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Lord, I give this to you. I'm struggling with this. Free me from the sin. Confess it to your neighbor. Find an accountability partner. I'm working through this. I'm struggling with this. I need to walk out of this. I just need to confess it so somebody else knows. And then it says transform by the, you know, the renewing of your mind. Thank you. What kind of transformation are we talking about there? Are we talking from a, a bud to a flower? Not really. We're talking about a caterpillar, something that's disgusting to a butterfly, something that's so beautiful. God doesn't do, that's what that, that transformation process, that's what it's talking about. It's the Greek word to metamorphosis, okay? And so transform by changing your thought, changing the way you think. Instead of looking at your sin as it's got power over me. No, I have power over it through the blood of Jesus, through our Heavenly Father. Do you see how this process works? When you look at your sin through the guise of God, you can sit down. Yeah, because we're running out of time. Um, there's more. I got a lot more, but I, I, want, I can give you a few more. We're spirit-filled. We're confident. We are... Humble, servant-oriented. That's um, Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Really 5 through 11, but I put 5 through 9. We're Christ-like. Hey, guess what? We're free. We have freedom in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 3, 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want this list... I have one of them up here. I think I might have another one on the piano. I can print it off. I have it on my computer. Boom. You can have this list. This is one of the things, a great tool on how to conquer any sin in your life. This is a great counseling tool for the elders out there. You walk, you, you set up two sessions with them, okay? You walk them through this, and you let them rest in that. Because that's where they're at anyway, right? But what's this do? This is like the Old Testament, okay? You walk, I am not worthy. God is not measuring up. I can't do it. I need something bigger. What can I do? And then you give them the assignment. What's God's word say? Who is God? And you walk, you get out, you can get on Google and do this, folks. Look up holiness. What is truth? And find these verses. How can God help me with this? And you just walk through, do a little research, and it shows you who God is. What has he done? Well, we, what's he done through Jesus Christ? We know that he's, 
He's shed his blood and he's, he's taken away that sin. So how does that affect my living? Who am I? What am I? I'm a child of God. I am powerful. I am mighty because I am under his authority, not because of my own authority. What's that say? How am I living? I live under Christ's authority. And when that epiphany hit me, the end was quick. I said five or six years ago. I think it's probably been more closer to 10. Oh, man, right? Um, Praise God for this. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God what he's going to do. This is a tool that is powerful and mighty because it is based on God's word. Amen? That's what we stand on. That's what we believe in. And that's what we walk with Jesus in. Now, I forgot to mention youth group. Uh, tonight, we are going, or this afternoon, we are going to um, skating. We're going to meet here at 1.30, and we're going to leave shortly after that. So if you want to get here a little sooner than that, that's fine. Um, but it does require for you to go to get something to eat and come right back. Um, so we're going to go skating from 2 to 4. We'll be back around 4.20, 4.30 tonight. So I forgot to give that announcement earlier today. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you're a God who we can stand up under. You're a God of truth. You are a faithful God who loves each one of us. You're a God who declares to the heavens and the earth that you are their creator. You created me. You created this church for such a time as this. Lord, I ask that you would allow us to stand up against these sins in our lives and bring destruction to them. Break down the foundation that we've built up of lies in our lives, that we're not good enough, that we're not strong enough. Praise God we're not. But we know that you are. In our weakness, you are stronger. And when we give you the authority that you have in your word, and we apply that to our lives, and we apply that to our sins, Lord, we know that you will be the conqueror of that temptation of that foothold that's rested in our life. We ask in Jesus' name that you would break down the walls, break down the, the footholds that have crept in, and we pray in Jesus' name that you would heal, that you would bring the peace, that you would be the creator that we know you are that makes all things new. Guide and direct us as we go. Lead us, protect us on the way there. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.